Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. We also we also have a special guest. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Hi. How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> uh, do I introduce myself? Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Josh Kim. Uh, hey, Josh Kim. I host a show called All Chat uh, for League of Legends, uh, yeah. Riot Games, and um, yeah, and I also is play that, Magic. Is that a game that people play? Yeah, is, is something like yeah, so some people. Okay. There's right. like there's a handful. Okay, a just like very big seven? handful, like a hundred handed, like seven giant <laughs> handful. <laughs> So, yeah. uh, <laughs> welcome to the show, man. Welcome. It's your first time. This is what's yeah. this episode 105 or something like that? It took us 105 episodes to get you in here. Nice. I think it's 105. <laughs> it was uh, all a build up for me. <laughs> so, so for people who don't, you are also recently, and it's part of our new segment that we're not going to do every episode. But you were partially recently in the Commander 2016 out of the box by the Command Zone video. Yes. You were yes. the four reality star esque. <laughs> Yeah. stars of that show. I was really happy to be invited to do that. Um, yeah, Commander 2016, great product. It was a lot of fun to record that, and uh, yeah, it was, it was super fun. So you, yeah, have, you have an infectious laugh. There's one shot where they just they just pan to you, and you just laugh. <laughs> That's like, it's literally what you do. Either like it's like it's like, and it was like one of those great reality TV moments where it's like somebody talks, somebody says something clever, and they cut to you, and then you just start giggling. I was like, oh yeah, this is just like it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so who the, I guess that'll be the beginning of our news segment. Uh, for those who don't know, The Command Zone, our sister podcast, and also joint uh, collected.company, the website uh, podcast members, uh, released an awesome video last week called uh, Commander 2016 Out of the Box, where they basically did a reality mini-reality television show where the two hosts, Jimmy and Josh, uh, Josh here, and, and second Josh, and then also... Uh, Craig Blanchett, who uh, has been on this cast before um, and is uh, an often guest on the Command Zone, uh, did like a reality television show version of them playing uh, two games with just the box, those 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 decks out of the box. Yep, and uh, it's really good. You can find it on YouTube, and it'll be linked probably in the little show notes somewhere in this episode. Uh, second piece of news, um, and this is the more big one, is a standard showdown. Yeah, it was a big announcement. Just happened. Um, do you, should I explain it or do you guys know? Oh, go ahead. I, we were actually just chatting about it off off mic, but I mean, start introduce it. We can talk about. Some All right, I'll read the literal announcement. From November 26th through December 17th, stores around the world will be able to host standard showdown tournaments on Saturdays with special promotional prize boosters earned through undefeated play and other means as determined by each store. The tournament will be Swiss events meant to showcase the standard format. Stores will receive 40 prize boosters, 10 for each event, that will contain three cards each. These boosters will contain... A premium card from a current legal standard set, including Zendikar Expeditions and Kaladash Inventions, not including double-faced cards. Two non-premium cards that are either a rare or a mythic rare from a set currently legal in standard, Battle from Zendikar through Kaladash. Zendikar Expeditions and Kaladash Inventions appear in roughly 1 in 33 boosters. It'll be in English. So a the announcements things. get way less epic, so I'm no longer <laughs> using my sweet voice. <laughs> so a couple things about this. Um, I'm always for wizards coming up with cool new competitive like things that they introduce. I think right. it's fun. Um, I think one of the things that we've learned, we talked about this last week a little bit, that with them changing rotation policies and things like that, they're always willing to try new things out, and they don't seem to be very shy about walking things back or just throwing out something new at us, as long as they're not like distinctly violating something they've promised. Now in this case, there is something going on that they didn't promise they they wouldn't do, but with there being expeditions and inventions in these packs, 
I think it's a little bit of an eye roll. Like I think there was a lot of people who felt like those those uh, pieces of product were very exclusive, and it was exciting and cool to know that you only could get them this one time. Though they didn't promise we would never see them again, so it's it's not like one of those things where they violate anything. But I think that's the only cause for concern here for me. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, well, first thing is that um, I think they're obviously trying to push uh, people to standard competition. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, I, for people who bought into the Expedition hype the first time around, they're probably like, oh, why did I do that? Because now the inventions came out and you're like, okay, well, maybe I'm still saving now the standard showdown thing. And so um, I know some of the finance guys I've been talking about how Expeditions, they still haven't seen their bottom yet because we just have no idea how often they're going to do something like this with a promotion by putting more Expeditions into the you know, uh, into the market or whatever. So, well, it's it's kind of like Eternal Masters also getting a reprint. I I think Wizards realizes they have these things that build hype, and they're not going to not use these tools and their tool je- tool chest to kind of make things exciting. Is the tool uh, chest the same as the toolbox? Yes, <laughs> tool chest, tool chest. <laughs> one you find in caves, and one you just keep around. Okay, like fair. one one you have to you have to find chests. But Kessler is mu- like in the less, wild. Less likely to use the phrase and tool goes, chest. Da, 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 and then you open an expedition. <laughs> the next time you talk about trinket mage, will you please use the phrase tool chest? Uh, you should take this mox oval. You'll need it. In, I don't know. I forgot the line. Man, that was a terrible. <laughs> reference uh so uh, i mean like it's not gonna be that many i mean it, it'll be some but it's one in every 33 packs there's four weekends total where these will be open and they're not going to open like infinity of them so i feel like yes they're going to be reprinting these but these aren't and like the other two cards are mythics yeah rare or, rare or mythic right now i see an emerkel a gideon and a mox that, that's Opal. obviously so, what you're supposed to open right yeah that, I, every one of these that i'm going to open with the standard <laughs> deck that i don't have oh gideon's gonna <laughs> yeah. go down huh Here, here's what i think <laughs> i guess here's what i think um you talk about with expeditions or with masterpieces um which are the cards that people care the most about right like which are the ones that matter and the bottom line is that the cards that people care a lot about out of those opens are not going to tank, even if they put a few more into the market, because they're lands and extremely rare cube cards that are, like, legal and vintage. The ones that are, like, less desirable to begin with will go down a little bit, but they weren't that expensive in the first place. So it's it's really what it comes down to is, like, if you're going to talk about the price difference before versus after this of, say, a Misty Rainforest or a Scalding Tarn, in a year, unless they just continually reprint that card, which I don't expect they will it'll just be high again because people I mean, love those cards. As and the owner of a foil scalding tarn, my foil scalding tarn's price is not depreciated due to the fact that expeditions are around. Right. Like, there is still something about having that. And, and if you have expeditions, they might go a little bit down. But, like, you were just talking about this earlier because you're, you're the deck that we're going to be deck teching today, you're kind of foiling out the because of expeditions. <laughs> <laughs> you need four of those. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe the, some of the... the um, the treasures, or what are they called? Inventions? In, no, no, or uh, masterpieces? Oh, sure. Or whatever. Uh, they might depreciate a little bit because they're more like they're more special in singleton formats or even in vintage if they're seeing play, mm-hmm. they're a one of. Um, but even like Mox Opal, that's a modern staple. And I know people that would mo- foil out their Infinity decks. So, I, yeah. think it, I think it's funny that they omit the. Um, the uh, cards from Oath of the Gate Watch, I guess. I I, I wanted that was my question. I don't think they are. It says right there, cards uh, from Oath of the Gate Watch and double face cards are not included. Oh, so, oh yeah, you're you right. know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what so that's about. So buy your strip mines, everybody. <laughs> I guess or the, the wastelands. They're, wastelands, yeah, wastelands. Oh well, no, but they got reprinted too. Oh yeah, yeah so they're just tanked. So 
It is funny that they're emitting those cars. Are yeah, we complaining that magic is less expensive for people? <laughs> <laughs> I think when is that I said, what just <laughs> I think I said when when I when I said the phrase concern, it's not a concern in the sense that like I think Wizards is doing something wrong. I'm just talking about when you look at the the net positive, like the gain out of something like this versus what do you, what you gain out of this is is more people playing standard. You mm-hmm. gain another competitive format, something fun you can do at your LGS. That's awesome. All those things are great. Even the prizes they're talking about are great. I think the only thing to discuss in terms of whether or not this is news that we should pay attention to is the fact that modern cards that are heavily sought after at a high price point may change in value because of it. Well, but but we've been asking for that for a year, at least, if not the entire length of this entire podcast, which is 100 X episodes. True. 10 episodes at this point. So... Like, you know, the professor was on later earlier this year, and that's actually a great episode where he talked about, like, what can Wizards do to kind of lower this problem? And right. reprints is the main thing, and, and this is another creative way they've come up with to do this. Like, this could be a seasonal thing where next season they'll have, you know, for uh, the a, a different standard one. And then over the summertime, they'll do a modern version of this. And I think that's very, not even very likely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock call that right now. We're going to see a modern showdown uh, over the summer or spring, depending mm. on that. Will be sweet. Right. Yeah, that would be awesome. Where, it, <laughs> where it's like where it's the expeditions from whatever the most recent set in Kaladesh plus like the new modern sets. new sets. Would they be able to if they did like a modern showdown? Would they be able to get away with just like printing modern staples in prize packs? Especially, oh, you know what it is? It's mythic rares and rares from Modern Masters 2017 plus. Um, expeditions and probably one like standard legal mythic rare or rare like those like something around those lines. I mean, I it'd be imagine. awesome if they did something like that. I'll tell you that flare much. like maybe it'd be like flare because it's like a standard well, like, card. Like look at look at Modern Masters the last one like of the rares how many of them do you really want right now? Yeah, very few. Yeah. So like it's still cool and you're still getting sweet rares and stuff, but it's still a yeah a, a spread of value that you know sometimes you'll get the Tarmogoyf, but sometimes you'll get. Um, a rare that I'm not remembering was Comet Storm. Set. Comet Storm. There yeah, we go. But here, here, here's the, 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 my, my final comment, and then I want to move on from this. Is that the hilarious part about any kind of reprint discussion about any sought after card that is expensive or awesome? Is this? It always is a point of discussion before it happens and while it's happening. Flash forward two years, we all look back at that, and nobody remembers where the reprint card came from. Nobody really remembers like where they got the card from. The prices of sets don't really change anymore since they screwed up with Chronicles, and like. It's always balanced out. Like Wizards does a great job with it. It's really they very very rarely tank the value of something right. you care about. Mm-hmm. It, it, like and maybe that's just because because like magic is growing at such like a rapid rapid pace right now. Um, um so yeah, um speaking of reprints, next piece of news. Okay. Uh Imperial Seal is printed as a foil judge promo. I saw that. It's <laughs> exciting for all of those people, those those uh those few of us that play foil Highlander roulette, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can now add it to my foil blue white EDH. Nope, I can't. But it's cool. I'm excited. I'm excited for the specific reason you said, and I'm guessing the rest of the world's excited because they can get a second vampiric tutor in the deck. Here's the real question, guys. When the heck are we gonna get a foil worldly tutor? Like, how many years are we gonna have to wait <laughs> before they give us the? Like, I don't even get it. We've had multiple printings now of foil enlightened tutor, foil vampiric tutor, and foil mystical tutor. Yet we can't get a foil worldly tutor. They gave us Imperial Seal in foil before they gave us worldly tutor. Do you think they're saving it for like a future from the vault or something? Maybe worldly Maybe. tutor got printed as an uncommon reprint in sixth edition. Like it's a, how has that not been reprinted yet? Yeah. It's how has Damnation not been reprinted yet? Also, Ooh, also that one hurts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next on our list, and this is uh, a little bit more exciting because you actually have experience with this deck. White green Tron. 
and it's mislabeled as Red Green Tron, but White Green Tron won SCG Modern Open Columbus. Yeah, this is kind of funny because I used to play Green White Tron um, before <laughs> before I started playing Green Red Tron because mainly I didn't want to buy the um, the Grove of the Burn Willows, uh, <laughs> and so sure. I, I just uh, stuck with Green White Tron because it gives you access to path and your sideboard uh, is pretty sweet actually. If no, you're yeah, in white, it's got so. it's got three Blessed Alliance. So two sweet. rest in peace, uh, two thrag tusk, one ravenous trap. Oh wow! Um, three warping whale. Yeah, some nature claims and a ghost quarter. So basically, in Tron, a lot of people have been moving to having main deck lightning bolts instead of uh, the random sweepers that you'd find in Tron, like pyroclasm, uh, fire, uh, yeah, pyroclasm, fire spout, that sort of thing. And people have been uh, moving towards. Uh, just ways to get rid of infect creatures is basically the sure. way, you know and so uh, i but the problem with that though is that if you have some if you're facing down something like uh reality smasher right that lightning bolt looks really really bad in your hand so right. so this um, path is just kind of a natural progression yeah i think path seems like a really really uh good place to be currently uh people have been talking about how bant eldrazi is probably the best deck in the format so having a clean answer to that seems really good and blessed alliance also really good magic yeah. card i mean bant eldrazi got two into that top eight this last weekend. Uh, the other the other competitors were Dredge was second place, uh, Affinity in third, Grixis Delver in fourth, Naya Burn in fifth, two Bant Eldrazi decks at sixth and seventh, and then Jund in number number eight. Yeah. So um, definitely, what's cool about this is it's very different looking than uh, GP Dallas. So GP Dallas was purely um, like four Infect decks, three Control decks, and Dredge. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's cool that this has such a large variety, even though we do have double ban Eldrazi, but there's no Infect decks in this list. Yeah, it's actually um, surprising. How, do, how far do you need to go down before you see the first Infect list? Uh, Pretty far. Wow. 21st. Yeah. And then 22nd. And then Amulet. And then 24th. You got, a, lan- you got a Lantern <laughs> Control fairly high. But then there. Madcap Moon. Yeah. Madcap Experiment with Blood Moon. Seems yeah, that's sweet. really sweet. All right. <laughs> um, Quick question before we move on from this. Um, there's two copies of Bant Eldrazi in the top eight here. Do we do we think that that deck is going to continue as just like a mainstay competitor? Is it is it too good? Like I, I definitely don't think it's too good. It hasn't won anything, and it, it's just a bunch of beefy dudes that aren't like it's definitely very good. Ooh, it's running a Johnny Mentor Heroes. That's oh, so wow, sick. I've never oh, seen that. Uh, <laughs> gain a hundred life emblem uh, or ultimate. Uh, yeah, no, it. I, I think it's definitely very good. Right. Um, and it'll be a staple of format, but I don't. Currently, I don't think it's oppressive. Okay, fair uh, enough. I think it's I think it affects more impressive. So than this is. I play I play a lot of blue decks in modern, and Bantel Drazi is my worst nightmare because mainly because of Cavern of Souls. Uh, that card sure. is brutal, uh, and I feel like as long as Bantel Drazi exists, um, blue control decks are gonna have a hard time pressing into the format. Um, okay. That's a fair fair enough point. Because, I mean, because your standard stuff uh, for removal just doesn't work against five five tramplers who make you discard sure. a card just for targeting it. And yeah, I don't I don't know. I think uh, Bandel Drazi is really good. I think they're the one major weakness, and a lot of people have pinpointed this uh, is the fact that their mana base is so greedy, right? Because they're basically running four colors, uh, right? If you consider colorless a uh, a uh, color, so. Um, yeah, the Blood Moon is a pretty good answer to a lot of the stuff that they're doing. But uh, yeah, still, I think this deck is quite clearly a very, very strong deck in the format. So yeah, I guess I just wonder, because we've, we've had that conversation before about um, decks that will pop up as like a one over two of in top eights in competitive tournaments being like, oh, it's not too good. It's not too good. And then all of a sudden, 
there's a conversation where it's like this is just really oppressive and not fun to play against. Like I guess I just guess the idea that this deck has a decent chance of getting out turn two thought nuts here, like mm -hmm. a lot of games, is the part of it that to me is like I wonder if at a certain point this is just not fun. It's 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 just modern's version of shops. I think that's. I mean, may maybe it becomes more impressive and an another guard needs to be taken out of the deck. But I think for now, I think it's fine. And yeah, we'll, it doesn't, doesn't I, greatly concern like, me. If I were to pick decks that are problematic to the format, Dredge and Infect are obviously, <laughs> I think, way worse Yeah, like for the format. <laughs> yeah. As much as I love Dredge and I'm fine with Infect losing. Yeah. I'm just honest, salty as a blue player that Cavern of Souls exists. Let's, let's put it that sure. way. Sure. <laughs> you got to run four Ghost Quarters in yeah, the main. That's I, wish I, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could. All right. So... I think the that is the news for today. All right. Cool. Uh, we did record last week's episode pretty late into the week, and this is pretty early into the week, so we didn't have as much of a week of stuff to talk about. And not every oh, week we have like um, crazy magic news. What's his face? Got his cards back. Or he didn't get cards back. So uh, the football player for the Seattle. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he didn't get his cards, but Wizards donated to him a bunch of product and then uh, kind of also donated that same amount to uh, some charities. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, if anything, it's another <laughs> reminder. Do not leave your cards in your car. Yes. <laughs> yes. Even if you are on the Seahawks team, <laughs> even if you are an NFL player. Or I guess, I guess if you will, like ballet. <laughs> yeah, or have a guy watch it for yeah, you. I have no idea, man. Yeah, super, super annoying. I said it on the cast last week. I had a car broken into in high school and lost two, like you know, three-inch thick binders with all no. my lands and gold cards. Um, several thousand dollars worth of cards, and that really sucked to have to recover from. Wah, so, wah. Um, anyway, let's continue to move through the episode. All right. So, before we get into the actual subject matter, we want to remind everyone to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I am at Ben Bateman Media. And I'm at Zell Tweets. Uh, and as well, you should check out our Patreon. Uh, it is at patreon.com slash the MMCast. Uh, you can donate, and it helps us kind of do all this stuff that we're doing. We have 100 episodes, and it's being paid for partly by that Patreon. And it also helps us do YouTube videos, uh, which is the next thing we're going to bring up. So you should go to our YouTube channel as well, which is youtube.com slash uh, top Decking TV, and you can watch video versions of this that will have the card show when we mention them, and it'll have deck lists, and it'll have weird things making fun of us as we're talking or stumbling about stuff. Um, that's pretty great. And then uh, we want you to remind you that, oh, we're now on collected.company. So previously we were on rocketjump.com. We are now on www.collected.company. Uh, we share that website with the Command Zone, and it's going to be a new exciting place to find magic content. So you guys should check that out as well. Totally. Uh, yeah, I think that pretty much sums up the shout-outs for now. Let's All right, continue. so let's talk about the thing, the, yeah. the thing we're going to talk about. Today we're talking about magic coverage, so partly because Josh here has hey. plenty of experience in the world of esports, well, and not, Ben here uh, is also yes. very um, experienced recently especially, but in, in general and career-wise, in the esports arena, and I personally uh, watch Twitch probably once in a while. So, <laughs> so what I want to jump in with and say and redefine the topic of conversation because we've, we've had actually variations of these conversations on the cast before if you guys have listened. Um, it goes a little beyond um, just coverage. I think coverage is part of it. I think the other part of it is it's clear that Magic is not sort of officially an eSport Magic is sort of like a fringe esport. Uh, I think that's mm -hmm. kind of agreed upon by most. We've talked to a lot of pros about this. Paul Rietzel recently had a conversation with us about this. Um, I, I did a piece for Machinima at GPLA where we, we spoke with LSVU and a few other people about it. The real question is, is Magic the next eSport? If not, why not? And is coverage the problem? I think that's like really what the whole conversation comes down to. Um, coverage being a part of it, but I think ultimately there's, there's confusion by a lot of people in a game that, that boasts 22 to 30 million players worldwide. At least 
10% of that is, is tournament play. So you have over 2 million people that are playing this game competitively worldwide. Um, why does it, why has it far like fallen so far behind? I think in the other question being it's most similar competitor being Hearthstone. Why was Hearthstone able to sort of come in and just become that game for people? Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of wanted to first talk about my credibility because, um, I've, I've lived with uh, Team Curse and Team Liquid for a year, and I produce content for them. And so I'm deeply uh, in the esports scene or whatever, and I have uh, good for friends. The, for those the, who don't know, what, who are Team, team Curse and Team So Liquid. Team Curse and Team Liquid are League of Legends, pro, uh, th- they're pro teams in uh, the League of Legends scene. And now Team Liquid has expanded into, you know, well, Team Liquid, okay, that was, <laughs> Team Curse is a League of Legends team that got bought out by Team Liquid, who has traditionally had teams in um, StarCraft. And they have now picked up Smashers like Hungrybox, and they've kind of expanded their repertoire into a lot of different esports. And I was with them uh, during that transition when they did that. And so um, I have a lot of information about esports, and you know I've been thinking about the same thing about why Hearthstone instead of Magic, which a lot of people, you know, you would ask someone like Brian Kibler about why why are you a pro in Hearthstone instead of Magic, and why are you, why are you doing that? And the answer is that Hearthstone coverage is better, but also it's just more accessible to a lot of people. And I think there's a lot of things um, keeping Magic back from ever competing with Hearthstone on that level. Right, and and, and similar, we talked about this earlier before we started recording. That's why I was like, wait, 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 we should talk now. Yeah. But um, if you ask Killer, if you ask pretty much anyone, Magic is a better game yes. than Hearthstone. I, I, like, I, hand, think, yeah. I think no one can argue with that. And you, if you talk to Hearthstone pros about that, you know, there's a lot of people who complain about the way Hearthstone is uh, made, and, and especially for competitive gamers. And that's there's no secret to why that is. And one of that is because a lot of people feel that Hearthstone, um, luck is a higher percentage of games than it needs to be. Uh, you can't interact with your opponent uh, on their turn. These are things that make Magic... Um, um, a really interesting game that uh, I think is just mechanically more, uh, I don't know how to say this, but it's just it's diverse. Better. Yeah, depth, yeah. yeah. There's, there's more fair, depth to it. Yeah. I also think, um, to quickly comment on that, that, that comment about uh, if you talk to pros that they say Magic is a better game, mm-hmm. I think that that should be qualified for just a second because they're obviously, when you use that term better, there's... A lot of qualifiers, right? right. There's, there's the sheer numbers that are playing Hearthstone. There's the fact that at the highest competitive level, there are more people playing Hearthstone. There's the fact that there's a much larger audience following right. competitive Hearthstone, and the fact that the payouts for Hearthstone tournaments are much higher. So I think well, I will acknowledge, and most will acknowledge, that it's a it's a much more satisfying game and a much more complex game. Well, I think I think when you say better game, it's yeah. the same way you say better movie. Sure, it doesn't necessarily mean more popular movie. Like right, I would right, say sure. that. Uh, a Marvel movie is going to be way more popular than The Arrival from this last weekend, but The Arrival is inherently a better movie than most well, Marvel we can, movies. Well, we can talk about the popularity, because I think that's a, a really interesting point, because um, Hearthstone is online, and as a lot of people know, Magic the Gathering Online, the client is really, really hard to deal with. Uh, it is not very accessible for new players. And I think one of the things that a lot of people don't talk about enough is that Magic has multiple formats that you can compete in. And that automatically makes it uh, harder, I think, for people to have a clear entry point into the competitive scene. Whereas Hearthstone, it's quite clear. you uh, They've just introduced their own standard thing. But I think for the most part, for uh, Hearthstone's um, existence, they've just had one... Uh, one format, which was 
use the cards that are available to you and yeah. build a deck. Right? Well, now, yeah. And now there's arena, there's wild, there's like all these different ways you can play it. Yeah, there's different ways to play it, but there's not actually a competitive arena scene. Uh, there's no official way to track your stats. I think most of the streamers who stream arena, I, uh, I'm good friends with Hafu, for example, you just have to go into Excel and record your wins uh, based off of how you did, you know, and that's how they stat track. They, there's no official system yet in Hearthstone that tracks how good you are at arena, and so players do it on themselves, and so there's no... There's there's no arena competition. There's no competition that you can enter in and be like, I want to be a professional arena player. Like in Magic, that the equivalent to that would be, I want to be a professional limited player. Well, that exists in Magic, but it does not exist for Hearthstone. Sure. So Hearthstone, the competitive scene is much more focused. It's heavily driven into one format. And I think that uh, hinders Magic a little bit because... I think one of the access points for Magic is that there's so many formats for everyone. You know, some people might want to play Commander, some people want to play Modern, you know, uh, some people want to play Standard, and a lot of people just want to play a Kitchen Table Magic and sure. d uh, d disregard what the competitive scene does. Well, and, and Magic, it's often said about Magic, is Magic is a set of rules and game pieces that allow you to play 30 different games. Right. Like, the, just, like they all interact together in the correct way, but the way you can change how you play them from Highlander Roulette to Commander to Modern to Standard to Limited to sealed limited versus draft limited to cube like the and that's like five percent i think of the different <laughs> formats i could name the play magic and right. we don't have time for that <laughs> but um i agree that that theoretically does offer a beginning barrier but i do think one of hearthstone's greatest strengths is just watchability oh yes like what like from an advertising perspective and and the fact that a you can do it on your phone anywhere like that like yes hearthstone might have more players but it's the same way that Candy Crush has more players than League Call of, of Duty Legends. or Halo or League <laughs> of Legends, which, like, yes, but are people designating their lives to that, or are they just playing it because they can play it on the bus? Right. <laughs> well, like, no, I don't. I know very few people that go, oh, I'm going to go hang out with my bros and play Hearthstone tonight. But mm -hmm. And obviously, I'm in the Magic community, but there are many people that literally schedule entire evenings out of their week or entire weekends towards Magic the Gathering. So let's jump at it. Let's look at it from a couple different places, right? Let's start the conversation where it sort of should begin, which is that... Hearthstone's the obvious competitor, but the conversation is about Magic as an esport, not comparing it to Hearthstone. Right. We've had the Hearthstone conversation a number of times. Sure. And, and Wizards actually doesn't think Hearthstone is a competitor. Right, and I think, yeah. I think a lot of people don't. So uh, let's let's go to the beginning, and we'll just say that the, the world of esports right now is exploding. So five years ago, why couldn't Magic have been competitive like we wanted it to be? The answer was that there, there was no such thing. There wasn't a world like this. The world we're in now would actually cater to it. So I guess the first question is, it's not a comfortably online platform for a lot of people. Look, I'm a Mac user. I can't play Moto on my computer without downloading like stuff that is not familiar to me. I've tried it. I've done it. It's annoying. Oh yeah, no. I, I think one of the biggest failings of Moto is not being on Mac. That's a huge problem. So, but it's been it's been years, and they haven't updated that. They haven't changed that. So that's clearly not on the radar as something they need to change because it would be done by now. So I guess the first question is: Does Wizards want Magic to be an esport? Well, I, I think that, and we saw this with the Treasures, um, I think M Wizards is slowly transitioning Moto, because I think the biggest limitation for Moto being an eSport is its tie-in to real-life cards. The fact that you're spending actual money to buy these cards, the fact that you like the way you go about playing it is limited by that factor, and they can't kind of change that as long as... Um, 
what's it called? The trading your cards in for real redemption is available in the game. And I think that's what Treasures was starting to do is to offer Hearthstone-like or League of Legends-like or Overwatch-like um, reward systems to slowly move away from the tickets packs based economy on the site. You realize you've been saying Hearthstone for years, right? I'm never going to stop. You're never going to stop? <laughs> it's never going to happen. Okay, fair enough. It's heart, Hearthstone? Hearthstone. Hearth- oh, yeah, no. I'm going to say Hearthstone, Hearthstone. forever. It's like internally internally at Blizzard, it's like a huge like like a nervous tick for them. Oh yeah. Yeah, people do it. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you say Hearthstone, a Blizzard employee gets shot. (laughs) (laughs) But oh okay. Well then maybe I'll slip it. Um not literally, guys. Not literally. (laughs) I have some friends who work there. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I think that's like I think Wizards is moving that in direction. I also just think Hearthstone was made specifically to be more watchable and simpler. Magic the Gathering, because it's a paper game that's being translated into an esport or an online platform, doesn't translate the same way. Those okay, yeah, fi- but but physical golf and video game golf are like it, like I don't find real golf to be compelling except that I like to watch it, so it's enjoyable to me. Whereas like. Video game golf is also like a difficult thing to do, and like people are good at that. That like, but, but why? Why I, would people? You know what I'm saying? I guess. I guess my point is is actually golf and Magic are obviously the most competitive, com- comparable, and I would say Hearthstone is more like hockey, <laughs> sure, <laughs> where it's easier to watch because things are happening at all times, and it's easy kind of to understand what's going I, on. Where well, one the one thing I was going to bring up is that uh, Hearthstone was obviously, like you said, designed to be watchable, and Magic existed in a time where esports was not a thing and so the game wasn't designed in a way that was meant to be you know watched on camera i think and right. i think that's I mean, magic the gathering was on espn2 thank yeah, you very much I back in those, i remember those days <laughs> those videos are i was really excited as a kid when, <laughs> when that happened i'd never actually ended up watching any of it but you know that's i like that's, that it exists yeah <laughs> Um, uh, I think that's a problem, though, right? That, oh, yeah. Like, um, it's just magic. It was not built to be watchable. It was meant to be a game that you play with your friends that was creative and interesting, but it wasn't necessarily designed for a, you know, a spectator. Right. And, and 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 part of the argument is is it's almost should be. And I'm going to be the defender of magic, I guess, but. Um, it's almost to be commended that they're able to do as much as they can with the medium right. that wasn't meant to be this at all and do anything with yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people point the finger at coverage and they're like, well, we can't read the cards, we can't do this. And uh, the thing is that uh, people adapt and they change. You know, poker is a game that it wasn't meant to be spectated or anything, but they have figured out ways to make coverage watchable. I'm pretty right? sure poker was invented to be spectated by in like oh, saloons really? in the Old West well, with like my sharpshooters. <laughs> Girls and corsets. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, look, honestly, okay, I'm there at BlizzCon. I'm watching the Hearthstone Championship, like the World Championship, right? And it's it's in a hall that's full with like, I don't know how many people watching, probably at least 5,000. Right. Uh, And you're watching it, and it's this giant stage, and you have the shoutcasters up there. And I'm just looking around. I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, this could easily be magic. Like this... They could just be sitting there at a table playing cards as opposed to sitting at computers and, and like... This could be done. This easily could be done. There's an audience of people that like this. So I don't even necessarily think the fact that it's cardboard that is the only thing holding it back. I think there is some perception. I think Magic, some of its detriment is that it did exist in a time when that wasn't the case. And so now you have... you. Okay, uh, this is a good example for you. So I I was editing old footage today, and I interviewed Seth Rogen a few months back, right? One of the questions I had for Seth was about magic because a friend of mine's a friend of his. He had his face on a magic card. So in the interview, I was like, I do this magic podcast, Seth. And he's like, oh, cool, Magic the Gathering. And I was like, tell me about, you know, playing magic or whatever. And he's like, 
yeah, I played Magic a lot when I was a kid. Um, I even went to the factory where they make the cards once in Seattle. It was really cool. And I was like, cool. And he's like, yeah, but I haven't played since like high school. I don't know. You, I, you need a way better Seth Rogen impression okay. voice. <laughs> I should. I should have a better one. Yes, I definitely need a better Seth Rogen impression. There's no doubt. But the, the point is, like, when any time, like, I've had magic come up in my life, in my professional life, outside of just magic, a few times. That's one of the ones that I can think of where, like, this is somebody who's massively famous. I know for a fact they know what magic is. This will be fun to ask them. He, he must have some awareness because he's a huge dork. He, like, talked about it like it was pogs. He talked about it. Do you know what I'm saying? He talked about it like it was something that was so completely off his radar that I think as much as we're in it, that we think it's this huge thing, that the word esports to like television, ESPN, corporate America is a giant thing right now. Right. Magic is not in that conversation for them. That's the biggest problem is it's not elevated in the same way. You don't have people with, with money, influence, and power that are paying attention to magic. And I think that's what holds it back. I, I think that the conversation is difficult because there are tons of people who just don't, know what esports is in general and so like i i don't know in seth and seth rogan's case if he knows what league of legends is and if he knows uh what the greater esports scene is like and True, fair, uh, fair. so it's hard for me to say that if you know if you asked him again like what how do you compare magic to league of legends i don't know what kind of answer you might get um but uh, magic i think that it can get there but it just needs some sort of the same kind of sex appeal that Hearthstone has, you know, and sure. uh, Hearthstone visually, when you play it, because I, I played a little bit of Hearthstone, I basically, uh, I climbed up to almost legend and I gave up because the grind was gross, but um, the the game is really satisfying to play and I you cannot say the same thing for Moto. When you play a big giant card in Hearthstone, you know, it stomps its way in, it's like, right. it explodes it, and blows yeah, something and up. It's, yeah. it's awesome. It, there's this very visceral feeling you get. There's, there's an official game design term for this. I don't know what it is, but... Uh, Moto lacks that sexiness, and you know cardboard lacks that sexiness. There's a there's just a a visual appeal to Hearthstone that Magic hasn't get, and th that's not to say that uh, Magic can't get there uh, with with just cardboard cards. Uh, if if the stuff that's on the screen directly, uh, just the stuff that's displaying information to you, isn't that interesting? Maybe the uh, the commentators can do something to talk more uh, in depth about the stuff that they're talking. You know, like. Like for for example, poker. Uh, poker is my example all the time because I think that it, uh, there's a lot of ways that um, coverage-wise, it's very similar. You have cards that are hidden from certain certain people, and um, the it's the commentator's job to kind of design the story around those poker hands and to tell that uh, tell the viewer uh, what the pros might be thinking at that moment. And I think that um, currently, with what Wizards has done with their coverage, it's not easy to delve into the mind of the people who are playing. And poker does an exceptional job of doing exactly that. Um, that you know, they have those like little card readers on the table so you can see what uh, what cards are being laid out. And uh, so the commentators are given full information about what's happening on the board. And so they can make informed decisions uh, about what what's going on. And I feel like current coverage for Wizards, you, you can't do that. You, you listen to the commentators, they talk generally about the matchup, but you can't really, you know, get into the moment because you just from the coverage side of things you just don't have that information what about okay here's so let's 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 continue moving let's continue moving the, away from the conversation of uh, what's wrong with it mm -hmm. uh and more towards the conversation of what do we think are a few things that in a dream world like if the resources time and money were there to improve magic as a potential esport what are the things the problems to fix i think the first one that comes to mind for me uh, shuffling—that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. The the time the time involved with 
having to shuffle and search for a land and reshuffle and take a mulligan. It's not just automated and quick like it is. Uh, I think that's that's a first one for me. So how do you fix that problem? Is it do you have do you have auto shufflers that people are putting their decks into that are like? Well, I think I think you just don't don't show shuffling. I think you have any time like it's timeouts. It's timeouts in any sport. Sure. Where when shuffling is happening, you cut to the commentators. Like that's that's an easy. I think when you're doing these coverages, that's just what you have to do. Like I, you can't cut shuffling out of a collectible trading card game. <laughs> like that's and the older the format gets, the more shuffling is available. And I think Wizards has done a lot of work for Standard to limit shuffling. Like right. you know, fetch lands are something they're only doing because they need it to make it exciting. But for the most part, it's cards that are you know look at the top four and do something. That's like kind of what they've moved towards instead of doing shuffling effects. And so they've cut down on that effect. But even with that, like sh- you just use that as, as timeouts. Right? So, okay, do you have... So then here's a question for you. This is an interesting one. If if the conversation is that in a live match, like a big-time match of Magic, and it's you've got like... A let's say, yeah. yeah, let's say that it, there are sh- like fetch lands or, or something where you're going to shuffle your deck six times in a game. Do you have your commentators on live headset with a TV producer who's watching the game and knows Magic well enough to know, okay, end of this turn, he's going to be shuffling his cards. We're going to cut back to the commentators for approximately 28 seconds. Guys, be prepared to go back and have, and they've got their queue up of the things they're going to talk about for those 30 seconds, those increments. So it's like, it's actually like, instead of just like he's shuffling and they just start like talking about, well, you know, what's interesting about this card that he's using <laughs> is that it can be used in this kind of deck and that kind of, and they're just like making stuff up as they go. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. So I, th- I was going to say that, um, you know, shuffling might be the most boring part about magic, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's box office, uh, box office poison either. Uh, in league of legends, laning in for most people is super boring to watch people farming away. Like I, I Right, it's it's horrible sometimes to watch, and uh, commentators use that time to talk about anything about the game, right? And so, like I could see, like you said, you know, maybe that's that's the adaptation is during shuffling, they just cut to the casters and they quickly talk about what uh, what happened in that turn, and they can um, talk about what the players are going to be thinking about and what are they setting up to do. Right. Or, and that's like history of player stuff too. Like yeah. you can go into, oh, this is LSV versus Owen Turnwall. These are the things that Owen Turnwall and LSV have done in the past that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but totally. like, like League of Legends use that landing phase to be like, oh, this team did this. Or right. this is when we're going to show you the the weird team documentary we filmed six weeks yeah. ago. Or, or let's them talk about the, uh, the, uh, the matchup uh, yeah. just in a vacuum. Like what, what do you think is going How to happen? How good is this champion versus this champion right. set up and what's going to happen? And, like, and, I, and I think you also, like, as somebody, you know, I do live football coverage on Sundays. And and I'm a stats guy, and I think it's the kind of things that are interesting is like, okay, when you have a game going on, it's like, uh, you know, Eli Manning is 9 out of 12 with wins versus Cincinnati in his career, um, you know, with with seven of those coming at home. And it's like you could – it's like LSV has played Odin Hurtenwald 19 times. He's won 13 of them. On the play, he wins at this percentage of the time. So right, yeah, forget legal – not forget League of Legends and, and, and their laning phase. Look at football. Yeah. Football is 15 minutes of play <laughs> for a three-hour <laughs> watching experience. Yeah. <laughs> they feel – what is that? Two hours and forty-five minutes of time with commercials and dialogue about yeah. what's going yeah. on. Like, if they can do it, we can fill in the like six moments of shuffling. Okay. I think uh, so. So, second on uh, at least my thing, and we mentioned it before. I do think getting Moto away from the association with dollars. I think making it more of a f- a game that you can just pick up and play and earn points, and you spend money maybe to get a bunch of packs. Like the way that Hearthstone works is you can either grind out drafts and then eventually you win packs through drafting or whatever, or you can buy packs to open them, allows people 
to pick it up a little bit easier. Right now, if I'm a casual player, I'm not going to pick up Moto. Right. Yeah. Because like, it a it's not great in the first place, but b it's going to cost me at least a hundred dollars just to do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if we're going to talk about Moto, um, it it was clearly designed in the beginning for Moto to be exactly what you would do with cardboard but online. And the problem is, is that, that that direct translation, there's things that, you know, get lost in that translation. And I think, um, yeah, they need to rethink how to... But even Jewels of the Planeswalker is an attempt at being a little bit more of yeah. the Hearthstone version of it. Yes. I think Moto is better than... I mean, maybe that's an unpopular opinion, but uh, the amount of times I've played both, I will play Moto before I play Jewels. I, I, think, I think like Duels 20... Uh, which is the one that has the hack? The one that has the hack where people have gone in and they've changed it so that you can play every card ever. Oh, I didn't know it's that. It's called, is it Duels 2012? Well, there's one of them that has a, a, a significant hack. Every single card ever has been loaded into it. And you can play like essentially Legacy except with the format of like a Duels. Oh, wow. Um, it's, well, it's been that Machinima thing. One of the guys there was telling me about okay. it. So very small online scene of this. Um, but I, he was showing it to me and it was just like, this is remarkable. Like how, again, I don't think it's, it's the conversation of they're, it's, they're incapable or they can't come up with it. Cause those, those platforms they've come up with are close. Well, we've talked about this before. I don't think it's, they can't, I think it's, they wasted their budget on this for X amount of years on the new client in Moto, And then the company that they hired backed out halfway through. And then, so they had to hire in-house teams to finish it. And when you do that, it makes a giant mess. And then Hasbro who like, you know, wizards has a parent company that they get their funding from. It's not like they make their decisions. And Hasbro is like, well, you kind of, you wasted all that money. We don't, you don't get more money Sorry. until five years from now. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so, so let's then uh, moving on from Moto because we only have a few more minutes on this before we get to talk about this awesome deck tech here. Um, but I, I want to make sure we get a few more points uh, talked about yeah. here. So, so the Moto conversation is one that, that has been brought up before. Um, now, card accessibility, if, if it's going to be, let's say we don't have Moto. I mean, the most prompt, like the Pro Tour is cardboard. So that is Magic's thing. That's what they want to go forward with. It becomes a different game if the Pro Tour is not held with cardboard cards. So if you're going to stick with cardboard, how do you make it so that the information on the cards is more accessible to the viewer? How do you make it so they're displayed in a better way or they're easier to understand? I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I think, again, I, I hate to bring poker up again, but if they had those uh, card reading tables and you just tell the pros every time you're on coverage, anytime you would draw a card, you would put it on the on the camera table or, you know, thing and then draw your card, it would help a ton, right? This is, you could have note takers in the back, note, don't note take, you know, furiously what cards are in their hand right. and uh, relay that information to the casters, then... Uh, suddenly the casters now have a full information and they know exactly what's going on. Because it's almost that. You have, you, you'll have you have the list on the left of the cards, mm -hmm. but sometimes they're a little slow. Sometimes there are gaps, though. You know, yeah. sometimes the... I, I noticed this sometimes when I was watching uh, some some tournament and uh, sometimes they, they aren't sure because the, the pro immediately draws and it's like, yeah. oh, he's looking at the card now. What, what's going to be? And you... The commentators have no idea what to talk about anymore because they have no idea what he could have drawn. So they start like guessing, and, so, and it would have been way better if the guy had just you know done that thing, shown uh, shown the note takers what the card is, and that way the commentators can actually talk about what's happening. And, and I actually I thought this was, and maybe that's the next step on these, and it's going to need another border update. And this is what they should have done, to be totally honest. The bottom of the black, the black bottom of the card should be an have something on it that a computer re can read oh, and just yeah. immediately pick it up. Like they could easily do that. Like the, the yeah. little sil shiny little ball in the middle could be a QR code 
or yeah. like Wizards I mean, version of a QR code that like when they when they pick their hand up, they scan it. It also helps with deck list registers. Like there's so many little things that can help. Yeah, Potentially, they could just do that now and develop their own cards that they just use for coverage that have those QR codes or whatever, right? So uh, they don't need to be playing with their actual physical deck. Uh, the I don't know. The tournament organizer has just a pile of cards that have QR codes on them and hand it to them that are uh, the, the cards they need. Or, yeah, or, the list or, that they or need. sleeves. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know people that have Braille sleeves. If we can have Braille sleeves, <laughs> you can have... That's actually a have... really strong point. Is If Wizards was to invest in a QR code system with a, with a sanctioned sleeve, and they just they would just be complimentary for a while, like that would just have to be an investment they gave out... No, it would just, it would, I mean, like, it would be, Star City Games would be kind of, they have to figure their own thing, but for GPs and especially Pro Tours, like, especially now that Standard is the only format of Pro Tours, Wizards could easily have two play sets of every card sleeved up in these things, then just yep. have people knowing, oh, these are the matches with the thing, let's make a deck really quick. Like, I, I don't think that's impossible. Like, for limited and whatnot, and like... Limited and, and standard. Like, standard's easier than limited. Limited, you have to, like, figure it out. But they have the deck list, they can figure it out, you know, I don't, I don't think that's impossible. That's an interesting idea. All right, so if we're going to talk about the recognizability of cards, that's a pretty strong solution we've just come up with. Um, so now we're talking about your saving time. You're making it so that the casters have a better idea of what's there. I don't think that the best casters have done a bad job. I think they do the best what they can with magic. I think that's just the nature of the game. Um, I don't really think. I think that coverage could be improved. Like the casters. I think they're getting be better. Improved. I do think the medium median age, in general, for all of magic, could probably be reduced a little bit. Yep. Um, I do know that when my younger brother interacts with or has seen me watching magic coverage the first his first response ever was like oh why is it a bunch of old guys playing this game and it's <laughs> like they're old oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, because there's it's, you have to be a master okay <laughs> I, so then i think so then i think what would be the last what would be sort of like the last uh, of of the major points to talk about here i guess prize payout becomes the last one because that's the that's the other biggest barrier you see a lot of the best players in the world we've interviewed on this podcast like a ton of the best players in the world. And a lot of those players have said the same thing to us, which is that, look, if you're playing this game to make money, you're playing it for the wrong reason. You play this game because you love it. It's not going to make you rich. A pro magic player doesn't make very much money. That's just the way it is. And it's we've heard it over and over and over again. Andrew Brown just left competitive magic after seven pro tours in a row, his first seven in a row, to go make magic cards. Because the ultimately, the payout, the reason he didn't have a strong push to stay playing magic it wasn't making millions of dollars it was like a, a decent living right once you had seven pro tours like what's next yeah, yeah. unless you're yeah. winning all of them <laughs> and he top it twice to talk about payouts a little bit um it's actually funny because uh smash is so the other esports scene that i'm really familiar with is the super smash brothers scene and the payouts for that game are not great and so it, it's um it's kind of weird to me that uh people see esports as a venture to make money because I think that if you talk to a lot of professional players about um, the game that they play, they do it for more so for the competition and the kind of glory of it rather than the actual monetary game. Because for a lot of other games um, that exist in esports, there's a force of personality that happens when you start winning tournaments and people you become a recognizable face. You know, Owen Turtenwald uh, you know, is now a pretty household name amongst uh, people who watch competitive magic. And I think that one thing that Wizards probably could do more so than payouts is to kind of give more recognition to the players and let the players... Um, blow out their personality a little more, build out their, you know, social media, that sort of thing. Help them out on that front because 
I think that in the end is where uh, this sort of thing can be helped because payouts, the money has to come from somewhere and wizards can't just arbitrarily increase the amount of money that everybody makes from playing this game, right? So I think that one of the one of the kind of half steps towards that would be to allow pro players to kind of build their own fan base through magic. And I think that's kind of missing, right? Like we don't have enough household names in magic. I think that in other games, there's tons of them. I don't know. Well, and, and I think part of this is just something that is happening in esports everywhere. And wizards is a little bit better. And like the, the kind of the point I like to always point out is how many league of legends websites are there? Legitimate ones like versus how many legitimate content creating, with income stream magic sites are there. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know anywhere to go to read ma League of Legends articles that aren't really forums that have been kind of, like, at best, it's forums that have been upgraded a little bit, and sometimes there's stuff like Mobifier or whatever yeah. there is now, and Mobifier might great. be gone, but uh, <laughs> where you're like, oh, I'm looking at, like, the best way to kits for my the character I'm playing with. But Magic has Star City Games, MTG Goldfish, GatheringMagic.com, MTG Salvation, um, Channel, Fireball. Channel Fireball, TCG Player, and the reason that that, that exists is because magic is actually a hard item that you sell. Like you can, the reason SEG can exist is because they make money from selling cards. So when it comes to actually abilities to make income off of magic, right. I think magic is above and beyond a little bit farther than most esports. And when it comes to being a professional player, the thing you run into is the thing that esports is running into, which is advertisers have started jumping on board, but they're not at M they're not at MMA levels, they're not at poker levels, they're not at mm -hmm. actual professional sports levels, because you're not getting these TV contracts and or Twitch isn't paying out at the right amount of money for these streams. So you're not building an environment where you can start having a professional football league like system. And League of Legends is probably closest there. Or a few other games like League of Legends. Yeah. The other other esports are kind of following and making their own leagues like that. Right. And and, and in all those situations though, you know, you need sponsors. Like that's where yeah. that kind of comes in. That's where magic needs to come in. And if you're gonna yes. really get to that level you need to, and, and it kind of complements your point of if you build these magic characters, which I do think magic does an okay job of, uh, at, like LSV has a name, like yeah. you know, he's uh, like maybe some, the some most of the recognizable. Yeah, the better uh, the better people who are better with their branding have established a brand. Right. But Wizards the, needs to be better at helping people build yes, those brands. Yes, exactly. And and once you build enough of those characters, you'll be able to get them at least to get sponsors and advertisers behind them. And 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 what Wizards could do is build an arm of people that's job is to sell pro players to advertisers mm -hmm. versus having people trying to help kind of do that themselves. And that's where wizards could do Wiz yeah. instead of wizards giving them the money. They have a literal PR team. That's job is okay. Uh, Kibler. We want, you know, we don't want to lose you to Hearthstone. You're obviously a name that people follow. People love watching your stream. We want you to keep playing magic. Let's hook you up with, Ultra Pro or even better, Red Bull Monster. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah. And uh, so Sma Super Smash Brothers has kind of been growing at a, um, a phenomenal rate recently. And one of the big things is sponsorship and how difficult it is in a game that is primarily played in person uh, to do that. And when you when you play a League of Legends game or whatever, you have tons of things that you uh, physically interact with. You have your mouse, your keyboard, your computer, right. all these things that have um, spaces for sponsorship. Um, Magic kind of lacks on that front because generally you have like what a play mat, some sleeves, maybe, you have, you have but maybe stores. shirts yeah, or yeah. something. You know, uh, I'm not saying that it can't build and be built out, but I don't think anyone has even tried to offer. You know, like has has any Magic player gone to you know Monster and be like, hey, I, I top eight at a lot of tournaments. Um, you know, this is the amount of people who watch me at these tournaments. Uh, you know, several a thousand, tens of thousands of people know my name. Um, 
how much would you be willing to uh, pay me to wear a monster sure. shirt on camera? And, <laughs> and for the most part, I, like from a perspective of trying to contact these advertisers, it's really hard for a person out there by themselves to do that. But yeah. if Wizards has an arm that's trying yes. to connect these people, they're an arm of Hasbro, that's a person who's going to have a better ability to kind of wow. do that stuff. And I think that's really the answer to the issue. We had an entire... <laughs> Like, like well, it was in our trip from Vegas that we did an episode during the half other half of that where we got lost in the middle of California desert. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about exclusively. We how had to, like, like a six-hour conversation of launching the, that business that was going to try to connect those players, and we even honestly started to even move forward with the plan until I can't remember why we got derailed. I think we found out somebody was doing it or something. But yeah, that co- that conversation, that question is a great one, and I think that's. We've said it before, and it's probably... I think it's because you need the cloud of Hasbro and Wizards. I think Wizards has to be the people that's helping these pros find these sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... So I think that's... I think let's move on to doing a brief breakdown of your, your deck, <laughs> yeah, and then okay. we'll jump into this that really is, quick. And, this is and, an MMcast. Uh, this is an MMcast, <laughs> MMcast style deck. This is so sweet. All right, so... Why don't you want, describe describe the the basement of the deck? Yeah, so basically the deck is Teamer Delver, and um, I was largely inspired by this Modern Nexus um, thing when uh, Bedlam Deviler, uh, Bedlam Reveler came out and talking about um, how you can use Traverse to find it and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, that's sweet, I gotta use that. And so, <laughs> uh, Teamer Delver Tempo. So basically, I'm running um, four Delver, four Goyfs, um and uh, three Bedlam Revelers. Uh, so for those who don't know, Bedlam Reveler is two red, six. Yes. Uh, for a three, four with prowess, uh, it costs one less for every instant or sorcery in your graveyard. Yep. And then when it enters the battlefield, you may discard You discard your hand. You don't may. You have to. You yeah. discard your hand to, and then draw three cards. So if you have an empty hand, it is Treasure Crew is attached to a three, four. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> oftentimes with um, you know with blue-red spell-based decks, uh, Delver decks, uh, you're going to get six instant sorceries in your graveyard very, very quickly. Um, I'm running Thought Scars to make that even uh, happen even faster. And so uh, now that you're putting all these things in your graveyard, what other better way to you know utilize it than Goyfs and uh, Traverse? Because sure. you hit Delirium really, really quickly also um, with all these cards. So... Um, the deck basically uh, generates card advantage really, really quick through Bedlam Revelers, and you, you can start finding them and ch- start chaining them together. That's my favorite part about the deck. Where you get to a point where you just keep drawing more Bedlam Revelers and just drawing your entire deck and uh, throwing card advantage into your opponent's face. It's really fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I think one of the weirder things that I did with the deck was I added um, Disrupting Shoals into the deck. And okay. um, so generally, Delver, uh, at least in Legacy, you work on the axis of tempo. You want to utilize your mana better than your opponent can use, utilize their mana. Uh, unfortunately, Legacy has better tools for that with like Wasteland, uh, Days, Days, Force, Force of Will. Will. But this is kind of my Force of Will because the cards you mainly care about in Modern are CMC 1 and 2. Sure. So Disrupting Shoal really um, can be such a huge tempo positive. Obviously, the part that a lot of people are uncomfortable with is the negative card advantage that Disrupting Shoal has when you you know pitch a and, card. And to, the swinginess of having the right card for it. Yeah, uh, but the... The thing is that a lot of that stuff gets made up for with um, with the Reveler because the Reveler generates a ton of card advantage. Yeah, for you you, w- you want to empty your hand. Yeah. Uh, does Disruption Shoal exile or is it discarded? It exiles. It exiles. It's unfortunate. So, yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit of a non-bow there. Um, but yet, it's still, I think... Um, I can see why it exiles. Those cards would be maybe too strong <laughs> if they're also discard outlets. <laughs> if they were discard outlets, uh, I yeah. discard... Uh, uh, well, I mean, this would be like a different one, but I discard Grizzlebrand, and now it's in my <laughs> graveyard. Or as vengeance, I win. <laughs> yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so... When, uh, the other card, I guess, is Traverse the Involved, and people might not know what that does. It's, yeah. it's one green, you get to search your deck for uh, a basic land. Yes. And then, or 
If you have delirium, it search your deck for anything? Creature, any creature, creature or, land. or land. Creature or land. Yeah. Okay. It's not basic land. It's creature or land, yeah. which is a big deal. Are you playing any sweet land targets? Uh, no. I, I, what about I the do ghost ha- quarters? What were I we just talking seen, about? <laughs> I have seen some lists uh, put ghost quarter in their uh, sideboard okay. for, you know, I don't know, like Tron or something. Eldrazi. Ban Eldrazi uh, also yeah. is an issue because of the... Cavern Souls. Souls. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to be playing ghost quarter. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that obviously helps. I mean, in my board, I have three blood moons, so... Okay. Um, that know, helps. Cavern Souls. I hate you. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate Blood Moon, so we're all <laughs> um, disalignment there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I guess so. Why don't we walk through some of the big matchups in the format? Or are there any kind of other tips and tricks or sweet cards you're playing before we jump into that? Um, uh, I think that mainly mainly covers it. I know that the MTC, uh, MTG Salvation um, forums they've been talking about the deck a lot, and a lot of them actually like the Reveler and Traverse in the sideboard and make it a transformational sideboard. So you start out with um, uh, Hooting Mandrels instead. And basically, the reason for that is that Hooting Mandrels are traditionally really good against other aggro, linear aggro decks. Um, okay, and the, right now the format's so and, aggressive. Yes, exactly. And so you bring in the Reveler and the Traverse uh, package when you're against something that's grindier, you know, against Jund and stuff, because uh, the card advantage is obviously really a, b- a big problem for sure. uh, Jund. Yeah, we've had conversations on here about how underplayed we think Hooting Mandrels really is. Um, the, the big issue is that that card comes up against... It doesn't rumble very well with a standard Goyf. Like, it's being a 4-5 to a 4-4 four, four is not mm-hmm. great. Um, Tassiger being a pretty heavily played card recently, also a 4-5. In those days, Siege Rhino was a problem. It's not really a problem anymore. Correct. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty, sol- pretty solid. Like, I mean, we, also, we live in a format now where, where Grimflayer is also kind of one of the main beaters, so being yeah. a 4-4 four, four against Grimflayer is actually relevant yeah. now. Yeah. So, like, the, the format, and more importantly, Dredge is now a Tier 1 possibly tier zero deck in the format that is running around attacking you with a bunch of three threes. Yeah. So having a four, four in the ground is now a much more relevant um, factor. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, speaking of dredge, not exactly an amazing uh, matchup for my deck, but right, so, uh, so yeah, so let's start with um, the gauntlet. Let's start with dredge. Yeah. So dredge, obviously uh, one of the big problems is the fact that they just pull out so many creatures so quickly against you that um, you don't really get a chance to do anything against them. And your counter spells look really weak when they just start bringing stuff back from the graveyard. Um, you don't you don't really want to... Yeah, you just you just get overrun too quickly, I think, sure. is a big problem. Like, the ways that I've won against Dredge is um, basically okay. flying over them with an early foot Delver. And you're, you're running Snapcaster Mages, though, right? Uh, I'm running one. Oh, only one. So okay. Snapcaster Mage, um, a lot of people would think would be a shoe-in for any blue-red deck in Modern, but... Uh, in this case, it ends up being a nonbo with Bedlam Reveler. So I usually like it as like a thing that I can search for with Traverse to you know maybe reach for the you know classic bolts and sure. bolts type of uh, ending. What how about many, Eternal how, Witness? No Eternal Witness. <laughs> how many games do you find your do, like? Do you find yourself often when you draw the Snapcaster being like, God, this is so sweet, or is it like? Um, so I used to run more Snapcasters in the deck, and I realized that it makes for really, really awkward hand situations where you want to be playing the Reveler, but you have that Snapcaster in your, in your hand, and then if you play the Snapcaster to pull a bolt from your graveyard, that now suddenly you can't cast your... You know, yeah, like, uh, so right. it, 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 you get into really clunky situations if you uh, run too many Snapcaster mages. So I prefer just drawing into one uh, or just having to search for it with okay. the Because I was going to say Surgical Extraction is kind of like the new tech out of Snapcaster mage yeah. decks because it... like two hits off of a surgical extraction completely wrecks yeah. <laughs> uh So in my sideboard, I run two uh, Anchor of the Gods, and that's sure. kind of what yeah, I would use plan. for them. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I would think 
I would think that I guess in a deck like this, because you want to get going with the revelers and fill your yard before you would ever want to use your one snapcaster, mm-hmm. that by the time you actually use the one snapcaster, it's way less relevant that it's two mana. So you may as almost well at that point be playing a one of torrential gear hulk in your deck rather than the <laughs> snapcaster because it's like what who cares if it's like efficient and a two one if you're gonna not play it to like turn seven or turn yeah. eight or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, all right, next card on the or next deck on the list. Uh, how's your infect matchup? Uh, infect is actually probably one of the better matches for the deck. I think in general, um, people talk about this a lot, but tempo decks generally beat linear aggro. I think sure. that's just kind of one of the archetype, you know, rock paper scissors yeah. thing. Um, so you know, you in the have case, lightning bolt and bound and, and ways to deal yeah, with. Yeah, so I have ways to. Uh, I have many ways to uh, interact with you know. Uh, stupid little infect creature that gets way too big for its own good, you know? <laughs> so um, I, I think that in general, this deck does really well against stuff like um, Death, uh, Death Shadow, uh, you know, big creatures. Uh, zoo decks also struggle against... Nah, yeah, um, decks, yeah. yeah. So um, Burn, though, is a little bit different because I am a three-color deck, and um, I think Burn is a bit of a harder matchup. It depends. I think Burn's maybe 50-50. I think, but generally against Linear Aggro, I think this deck wins. Wait, are you playing uh, in your sideboard, actually, this sounds really sweet in your deck, the uh, gain 10 life if you have Ferocious? Oh, oh, Feed the Clans. Yeah, Feed the Clans. Uh, I am not. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Because you, yeah, you, you have Reveler in play, and then or uh, Bedlam Reveler, and then you play it, and then it gets the prowess trigger, and then it triggers. Ooh. Sweet. Ooh. Uh, 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 and you have Tarmogoyf. Really good. <laughs> I feel like you're just going to trigger it. Yeah. yeah. There's I, a burn matchup right there. I think there. A, a lot of decks do run that if they are running the Mandrills. Um, sure, sure, just, sure, sure. Uh, Mandrills is such a like a guaranteed way. Yeah, yeah. Doing, the yeah. other two things are variable versus the Mandrills. Yeah, right. that makes sense. Um the I guess we didn't burn. Uh, I guess, oh, so I guess the control, the Grixis, Jess guy slash Jun slash Jun. Yeah. World. So against those grindy matchups, this deck, uh, the Bedlam Revelers is really what pushes it ahead. Uh, obviously, uh, Jun, king of one on one v one. You know, just uh, one for one uh, card. You know, killing your creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they just want to one for one you the entire game, and it becomes really difficult when uh, Bedlam Reveler keeps refilling your hand. Sure. And then you find Traverse, and then Traverse refills your hand again. Yeah, a top deck Bedlam Reveler just is like, uh, Thoughtseize, suck it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, also, so probably like those later game, I guess, because you're playing four of each, right? Four Reveler and four Traverse? No, no, no. So oh, no. Four, four Traverses, but only three Bedlam Revelers, because they're worse for every extra one you draw when you have one in your hand. So, but like there there have to be mid-game situations where you've resolved one, you draw Traverse, and you're like, I'll just turn this into another one. Yeah, you exactly. You just draw Traverse, <laughs> play it, it makes the next one one cheaper. You're right. Yeah, that's got gotta be so sweet yeah it's <laughs> it's super hard to deal with and traverse oh my god that card is, is so ridiculous you thought one tarmogoyf was difficult you know the next turn you have two because you traverse for the next <laughs> one you know it, it it snowballs out of control really bad uh really hard and uh lightning bolt looks really really bad against this deck especially post board because a lot of times you'll remove your delvers and so now you're just left with beefy creatures like Huntmaster of the fells uh tarmogoyf you know things that lightning bolt doesn't exactly like to play against and so um yeah, I don't know. I think that this uh, it's especially good against um, these grindier decks. Okay. And then uh, I think also the Tron matchup is pretty good, too. Yeah, because good. the next one is like the big ramp decks of Tron and Titan Shift. And yeah. Uh, so Even Eldrazi, to a certain extent, ramps a little bit. Um, so Tron is actually, I think, a pretty good matchup. Uh, Delver uh, puts a pretty early clock on them if you get it flipped, and you can kind of disrupt what they're trying to do. Again, disrupting Shoal in game one uh, is actually pretty relevant because you can prevent them from, you know, expedition mapping. You know, you well, can also, I mean, doesn't Bedlam Riveler counter Ugin with disrupting Shoal? Oh no, you can't uh, no, go because it has to be blue. blue. Ah. Ah. 
If only <laughs> Bedlam Reveler was blue and red. <laughs> um, but <yeah. laughs> that, that would be such an amazing situation. They're trying to resolve a new getting encounter with uh, Disrupting Shoal. You mentioned you were playing uh, Simic Charm. Two yes. Simic Charms. I think Simic Charm is really good against um, other Goyf decks. So when you're running into other, um, yeah, you just want to make your Goyf bigger than theirs. You know, it's sure. A lot of people run um, Mutagenic. Your tempo, you dodge removal spells yeah so that's another thing it is it, it just does everything that your deck wants to do it can uh add uh you know a faster clock because it can give a creature plus three plus three um it gives your creatures hexproof when you're just trying to get in with a delver and protect it um it can also bounce a creature that's uh, hard for you to deal with out of the way so you know we talked about how like tassiger is kind of a problem for a four for well when you bounce it and they already delved away their graveyard it looks really silly so um, you think, know, it's it's just really good. I think last summer when I went to that uh, PPT who playing green blue merfolk with Collected Company, I think I played like two Simic Charms. It wasn't good in that deck, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I love I love me some Simic that's, Charm. That's a deck that doesn't have to worry about things blocking. Yeah, definitely. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Simic Charm. That card's great. Um, yeah. And it's also another way to pitch a, a CMC two card to disrupting. Shift. Oh sure, yeah. uh, Titan Shift. Titan Shift not great. Okay. Again, they work on an axis that you don't really. Um, that doesn't really work out for you very well. I think that it is better when you are running the Mandrills and Stubborn Denial. I've seen that version of my deck. Sure. Uh, and I think that deck does better against Titan Shift. But um, suddenly a lot of yours, uh, your Disrupting Souls look a lot weaker when they're um, trying to resolve Scape Shift. And you're like, uh, I don't have a 4CMC card in my deck. So I can imagine also that with that deck, because it plays like big things that are beefy and scary you probably interact like kind of early and you're like okay like i have my delver and i'll just try to stay ahead of you and then they're yeah. just like you don't have anything to resolve anymore and i yeah. play this thing that's way bigger than what you have yeah and, and you're like oh my dark cards look so bad compared to your cards. yeah then when they resolve like a primeval titan you're yeah. like oh okay what do i do that was, that was the card that came to mind for me where you just look at it you just slump and you're just like i guess i have to like double bolt this yeah, or, like, or like if i have do it do i bounce it and give them two more like oh god what do i do yeah that that's that's ugly um, I guess the last, and we talked about it a little bit, uh, uh, Bant Eldrazi. Ah, <sighs> Bant <laughs> Blood Moon and Ghost uh, Quarters. Yeah, <laughs> but if you don't find those... I, it's, it's How bad is a Reality hard. Smasher for you? <laughs> oh, Unwinnable, God. probably. Yeah. yeah, Reality Smasher, unless if somehow you've managed to make your goys somehow bigger, you know, you get it to that class <laughs> five, six, if you can get it there, which you can, because yeah, yeah. um, I'm running um, Tarfire, so, <laughs> so, <sweet. laughs> so I get the. Uh, my friend Wes would hate me because uh, he hates the fact that Tribal is a subtype. Oh, just, just like why is it? Just, oh well, it's, it's not. They, it was a mistake. It was like the gimmick for that set. It's like energy or or, or yeah. arcane. Like you know, sometimes they try something and it doesn't really. Anyways, work. that's a shout out to my boy Wes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, how sweet is it that uh, that like a single tar fire played like before before blocks or something like that? If you have like a goif, yeah. just does so much. If you're targeting the creature you're blocking, it's like there's no way that it will survive your shock yeah, because you have a goif and it's trying. It's basically <laughs> turns into a lightning bolt because yeah. you add basically three damage. So yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So before we jump into the kind of the end of the episode and the last bit on this deck, what is what would you say your worst? What deck do you want to least see across the table from you and the most? Um, so generally, white decks are a problem because a lot of people are running graveyard hate, and graveyard hate wrecks my deck. Uh, okay. It's one of the reasons why I think this deck isn't uh, like a tier one, tier two deck. Is that uh, once rest in pieces out, a lot of the cards in my deck just don't have Text. anything to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, that's that's kind of a problem. I would want to see uh, linear aggro against my deck. I think my deck does quite well against it. I also like playing against Jund. Um, don't want to see Dredge. 
which is a problem because Dredge is, you know, tier one. Dredge is everywhere. For everyone who didn't, isn't in the room looking, Josh got really sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a reason that this deck is tier three uh, and, you know, maybe maybe lower tier than that. But um, I think that the deck uh, definitely has play. And I think that... In the right the, format has a lot of potential. I think in the right format, yeah. If, if we see something that's less graveyard, you know, like before Dredge became the big thing, like if, uh, Affinity was kind of the bogeyman mm-hmm. and my deck way preferred that. When right. everyone was stuffing in artifact removal and you know that sort of thing like that was way better when, for my when the format was more like grindy control decks versus like very linear aggro right. decks that was or like or mid-range decks if not mm-hmm. control decks that was a little bit more your your style yeah. format versus right now where you have like one too many decks that are coming at you from just such drastically different angles yeah, in, yeah. The, in ways that are hard. To My deck with. does really well against certain axes uh, of play and really bad. On sure, the other sure. Decks. Hey, Corey Burkhart just went undefeated until the finals with a Grixis deck that everyone said was terrible. So, sure. <laughs> like, I would say this deck and the Grixis deck aren't that far off from each other. Yeah. It, and, like, the Grixis Delver deck just was one of the top eight decks in uh, this last weekend yeah, at the modern event. Out of, out of the Delver decks that have been seeing a lot of success, the uh, Grixis decks obviously are you know they're doing way better <laughs> <laughs> well yeah because they don't need the graveyard i guess as much. yeah well, kind of um all right so that's that's it for uh the deck the episode and everything else uh, i want to thank josh thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having uh, me working where can people find you where's some cool stuff they can that you're doing and they can uh yeah so you can follow me on twitter zell tweets uh and um yeah, that's pretty much the main thing that I do. I have like my Instagram. All you can find all that on my Twitter. And then, um, yeah, you can see me with Jimmy Wong. We do a show called All Chat, so you guys can check me out over there. And uh, hopefully, we'll be doing more of those uh, Commander Reality TV yeah. Smash Cut. I'm excited to jump in on the next one. Uh, yeah, it'll yeah. Be, so cool. I'm hoping to do more of that stuff. I'm trying to do more Magic related content, and I think uh, eventually I'll be starting my own YouTube channel soon. So oh, stay cool. tuned for that. Awesome. Ben, where can people find you? You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Kess Wiley on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. You can find us on Twitter at, at the MMCast. Generally, that's a better place to argue about magic. My Twitter is relatively more politically focused. <laughs> Especially right <laughs> now. Especially right now. <laughs> uh, and you can find, uh, more importantly, you can find the actual podcast on our YouTube channel, uh, which is at the MMCast. Or no, it's not. That's a lie. <laughs> it's YouTube.com slash TV. You can find us at Collected.Company. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, well, next week we're going to be doing kind of a little bit more of a reduced. It's Thanksgiving. So we're going to do more of a thank you episode uh, to all you guys. Um, and it'll be a little bit shorter, but uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See you later, alligator. <laughs>